partners with Hank on a project called Goliath. How big did you get? My record, 21 feet. You? 65 feet. 65. If you two are finished comparing sizes... 65. to the comic book bullies with nerd is a new bully i'm your host leroy with my co-host this is eli yep and we are back and eli we had a good run but the streak has been broken oh yeah yeah the streak has been broken uh for those who don't know uh legendary 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 comic creator steve ditko has passed now let me back this up and say steve ditko has passed because the thing is i know a lot of you guys know who steve uh, Stan Lee is. Uh, you know Stan Lee, and you probably think Stan Lee made the entire universe with a 12-inch ruler and an ink pen in his mom's basement, just cranked out characters after characters in his mom's basement, and that's what happened. That is not what happened. It was a collaborative team with a bunch of guys that helped him, you know, create these universes, and some people say may even have more input than he did, but we're not going to go down that road. Yeah. We're just going to say that it was a collaborative effort. And for and the thing is, if you don't know who Steve Ditko is and you listen to this podcast, just admit to yourself that you are a casual. Mm-hmm. You are not a comic book fan. Because and don't are, feel bad about that. Right. Don't feel bad don't, about it. We're not no. insulting you. We're not talking yeah. bad about it. We're just you know, admitting a reality to you that yeah, you have I mean, some, you know. You're not, you're not cursed with all this useless bullshit knowledge that we are. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Our dicks are not bigger because we know who yeah, Steve Dicko is. You don't. It sounds like y'all have lives, right? <laughs> like we spent all our time learning who Steve Dicko was, and John Romita, and Sal Bushima, and Jack Kirby, and Steve Taranko, and all these folks and shit like that. Yeah, we spent time doing that, but we do this stuff so you don't have to. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point of symbiotic relationship. So let's back this up and just talk about who and what Steve Dicko did. So. Fans, like I said, Steve Ditko has created some of your favorite characters. Like I said, uh, he not only penciled the issue of Amazing Fantasy number 15, which you don't know, which is the first appearance of Spider-Man. He actually designed Spider-Man's outfit also, the iconic outfit that is still to this day. Like you got all these comic book characters that had all these, you know, outfit, you know, change ups and redesigns. Spider-Man's outfit is pretty much the same way it was in 1960 six or whenever it was you know yeah maybe a few changes but other than that that's pretty much it because the thing was like i said jack kirby was another legend you know that passed a while ago made captain america and a bunch of other fantastic for a bunch of the folks also so stanley actually gave you know the work to jack kirby to make spider-man he said i got this idea for spider-man being my spider strain whatever 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 jack kirby make this make a costume for this guy so jack kirby made the costume for the guy Stanley hated, said he looked too, you know, big, broken. He looked like Captain America, you know, you know, square jaw chins like that. Like, no, 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 no. That's not the guy I want. So then he went to Steve Ditko. 
Steve Ditko brought him a different design. You know, the classic Spider-Man design we had, but at the same time, he was, you know, lanky, skinny. You know, he wasn't square jaw, wasn't broad shoulder. He's just like a regular guy. Like, that's it. That's Spider-Man. And then they ran with the story, and that's it. Bam, you got Spider-Man. And some people say that Ditko may have designed Peter Parker after himself. If you if you look at Stan, uh, Steve Ditko's high school picture, which I just looked at it before we came on this podcast to do some research, it is the exact same image <laughs> of uh, Peter Parker in Amazing Fantasy 15. It's almost like Steve, uh, Stan, uh, Steve Ditko took his high school picture and just made Peter Parker. It's yeah. it's eerie the way yeah. it looks. So, uh, yeah, like I said, that's, that's Spider-Man. Not only did he make Spider-Man, he also made, and we can go down a list of the folks he made, but another iconic character he made also who you also may know is Doctor Strange. Yeah. Now, when he made Doctor Strange, uh, he was in Strange Tale. I don't remember the exact issue. Look Google if you want to. And the thing with Doctor Strange that popped up, uh, he had no origin. You know, had no full name. He just popped up, just did magic, and that's it. And he was a fan favorite. Then he went back and did an origin form and all the car crash, and he was expert surgeon, stuff like that. But anyway, he did all the stuff with Doctor Strange, and he was able to, like, really do some out there artwork and stuff like that. And it was really crazy. So you got these two iconic characters, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. But like I said, it's just a tip of the iceberg. He, uh, also, on the DC side, he made a whole bunch of folks also. The most interesting people he made was uh the Charleston Comics characters. Now you may not know who Charleston Comics. They may not ring a bell to you at all. But I'm gonna just name off some of the Charleston Com- uh, Comics characters. You have Captain Adam, who he made. You have Question, who he made. Uh, some other folks also, but mainly those characters just named with the basis of Watchmen. Alan Moore wanted to make. He wanted to take the Charleston characters and make like a gritty new age story of them. But DC wouldn't let him do it at the time because they knew he was gonna make some drastic changes to the characters. So instead of taking the Charleston character, he based the character's own. So in take a second question, he made him into Rorschach. And then instead of Captain Adam, he made him into Dr. Manhattan and blah, 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 and so forth and so on. And they basically, if you don't have the Charleston characters, you don't have Watchmen. So whenever you hear Alan Moore bitching about people ripping him off, shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> I ripped him off first. <laughs> But here's the thing, Eli. Okay, he made all these folks, and that's all cool. Spider-Man is cool. Doctor Strange is cool. But they are nothing compared to his greatest comic creation of all time. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, his greatest (laughs) creation of all time. Screw Watchmen. Screw Spider-Man. Screw Doctor Strange. His greatest creation of all time is the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. That is his greatest creation of all time. A lot of people think that Squirrel Girl was made like back in the 60s, something like that. No, actually, it's far from it. Squirrel Girl was actually made like in the 90s, like 91 when he made her. And I'm not going to tell the whole story of how she was made and stuff like that. Yes, she, uh, because last week I told a story about how Luke Cage beat up Dr. Doom. Her first story, she beat up Dr. Doom. I'm not going to go down that road. But mainly, Eli, the reason I like Squirrel Girl so much, because she always put fanboys' nipples in a twist. They hate hearing about her because she doesn't care about continuity. She doesn't care about power levels. She doesn't care about any of that shit. She just does whatever the fuck she want to do, beats whoever she wants to beat, and fanboys hate that shit because they take this shit so seriously and so religiously, and she just pisses on that shit. So, like, how can you not love a character like that? It's just any character that pisses those fanboys off, I love. And that late, that um, that uh, more recent run. Uh, uh, of Squirrel Girl that's been going on 
I mean, I, I haven't kept up with it, but I've read, I, I read a few issues and they were really well written as far as like comic, they, they took comics in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Lots of almost like in a way Deadpool did lots of, you know, meta references, you know, they were, there was like stuff going on in between the panels and stuff. You could see, you know, little, you know, little side notes and it was, it really took the comic book medium to a diff in a different direction, which is nice. I mean, you could all, it's always nice to push the boundaries of the medium. Yeah. And, yeah. and plus they're making like a squirrel how- girl TV show. Yeah. 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 Well, I actually new warriors, but she's going to be like the headline. Yeah, and it, it's your girl. Isn't it your girl? It's uh, my girl. Uh, yep, the the AT and T girl. Yeah, <laughs> who I've always said was hot, but nobody believed me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, rest in peace to Steve Ditko. Like I said, he gave us all these iconic characters. He did get unlike other uh, comic book creators, he actually got a chance to see characters make it to the big screen where other ones past put got a chance to, but he got a chance to do so. Rest in peace from there. Uh, can we move on from that, Eli? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so now, like I said, we're going to move into the next part of the podcast. This is the box office numbers where we always uh, tell the box office and kind of see where everything is going. And we kind of concentrate kind of like on the comic book movies. But we like to concentrate on the other stuff that we like also. So, number one on the box office, Eli, give it to me. Is it Ant-Man? It is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. It is number one at the box office weekend. Pretty good. It has knocked off Incredibles 2, uh, which is number two. Uh, Really? Yeah, Incredibles 2. I think Incredibles 2 has... uh, Let me look at it. Pause for a second. Like I said, we didn't see Incredibles 2, but we're there. Okay, it hadn't hit a billion yet, but it's already on pace to be one of the highest grossing movies of this year. Not not Ant-Man, I mean Incredibles. Oh yeah, incredible. I, I thought I, mean, I heard Jurassic Park was doing really well. That already hit a well, billion. Well, now in Jurassic, let me see Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park's already hit a billion. Yeah, which is insane because it came after Incredibles. Yeah, I and mean, it's number three. That's that's and it's the, right. It's Jurassic Park's <laughs> number three. Now here's the thing, Eli. Let me let me talk about Incredibles for a second. I like I said I haven't seen it, but at the same time, I feel bad for the director. Okay. Now here's the reason why I feel bad. Who for did that? Is that Brad? Bur- did Brad Bird do that? Brad Bird did it. Yeah. Now this is why it? I feel bad for Brad Bird. Now, like I said, he. I'm, I haven't seen Incredibles two, but I'm pretty sure it's an amazing movie. I love Incredibles one, but at the same time, I felt like that he wanted to. He cranked out Incredibles one, some odd years ago, over a decade ago, mm-hmm. and I think he did want to expand onto other movies. Like I said, he made he made one of his uh, Mission Impossible movies. And in my opinion, the Mission Impossible movie he made was the best Mission Impossible movie. That movie was a game changer for me. It was one of my favorite action movies of like the like of that year, like period. Uh, but okay, he made that movie. Then he decided to branch out. Like okay, I'm gonna do a George Clooney movie. It tanked. It bombed. I didn't see the movie, but was that bombed. Tomorrowland? Did Tomorrowland, you? right? It That's bombed. actually pretty good. I mean, I yeah, I heard it and, bombed, and, and, that I, I, that and I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on on cable, and I was like, well, that was actually kind of cool. Right, but, but uh, you know yeah. how the box office works. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Yeah. So it may have been a good movie. It happens all the time. Good movies don't make money, and that's what happened with him. So if he doesn't make, if he doesn't produce, you know, they have a hard time for them to give him money for another movie. But yeah. if he says, "I want to make an Incredibles two movie," you know, they're gonna make him, you know, give him that. So he cranked out Incredibles two. It's probably gonna hit a billion before it's all said and done and stuff like that. But do you think they're gonna give him money for another live action movie or passion project he wants to do? Or are they gonna give him money to make a uh, crank another Incredibles three? Yeah, well, he was—he almost made the Force Awakens. He was on—he was one of the on the list, right? Before J.J. Abrams got the 
got the job, but you know. Well, JJ was always kind of a lock in for that. I, yeah. I, I didn't see anybody stopping him from getting part one of that. But that's my thing. I feel like he tried to branch out, but now he's kind of stuck cranking out cartoons for the rest of his life. That's how, that's what I think is going. <laughs> I feel bad for him, and I, I don't. I don't. I, I can't say I feel bad for him because he's making good movies. But I feel like he wants to branch out, and I feel like I mean because if you're a creator, you want to do other stuff. You don't want to get pigeonholed, in. I, and I'm not saying it for Brad Bird. I'm thinking like for any creator. Like yeah. they want to branch out and do other stuff, but it, when you get pigeonholed, stuck into doing one thing, it kind of limits your creativity. That's why I almost feel bad about George Lucas, you know, with Star Wars. Now remember, well, I, I, you remember this, Eli. Like I said, we're, we're old dogs. Remember this stuff. Like when George Lucas was an up and comer, it was him and Steven Spielberg. Him and Steven Spielberg were pretty much they were best friends, but at the same time they were rivals. They were basically like Ken and Ryu, you know, in Street Fighter. So yeah. they were cranking out movies back and forth, seeing who could top who. They made best. You know, oh, you got uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I bet you my Star Wars would beat it. Bet, you know, they made a bet and stuff like that. So, but at the same time, you know, Star, uh, Steven Spielberg, you know, branched out to other movies and kept doing other things and making creative. Where George Lucas, on the other hand, got stuck with Star Wars. Yeah. He couldn't make anything else. Not, not yeah. that he couldn't make anything else. It almost like he wasn't allowed to make anything else because people just want Star Wars. Yeah, and he got yeah. He pretty much just became the head of this company. Yeah, and I mean, you can't feel too bad for him because maybe that's the re- maybe that's the direction he wanted to go. Because he didn't direct anything until Phantom Menace, until the prequels. That is true. That is true. Uh, like you said, he he didn't direct uh, Empire Strikes Back. He didn't direct Return of the Jedi. But like he didn't I said, direct the Indiana Jones. He didn't direct Willow. Right, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't. Before Star Wars, he had other movies under his belt. You know, leading up yeah. to it, you know, at least yeah. branching out, you know. So I don't know. That, that's how I feel. I kind of feel bad for Brad Bird, but you can't feel bad for a guy that's gonna have a billion dollar movie on his belt. You know? <laughs> Woe is me, <laughs> you know. Uh, number four, number four. Like I said, we said number three was Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Number four is the first Purge. So, oh no shit that got that cracked the top five huh? that cracked the top five i'm hearing a lot of things about this movie i'm hearing it's basically uh dubbed as black lives matter the movie <laughs> <You know? laughs> i i like the purge movies i i, I want i i might go check it out i mean i saw the last one in the theater so yeah. and i dig them so i i i'll, I'll probably see it at some point i don't yeah, know if especially I'll this one is a prequel and they said yeah. the whole thing the purge got started was because basically they were trying to get rid of blacks and mexicans so, <laughs> so I, honestly, hearing that makes me interested about it. Also, like, okay, because yeah. I've, I've never it seen takes, the first movie before. Oh yeah, and it takes place in Staten Island, so it's got this whole escape from escape New York, from New York type, type deal. Yeah. So you know, which is one of my favorite movies. So I'm <laughs> one of mine too. Yeah, that movie's awesome. I mean, yeah. it, it, it invented Metal Gear. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, number five, Sicario: Day of the Soldado. Like I said, we talked about that one. I guess it's doing okay. Maybe maybe it's hitting the numbers it won't to. I don't know. So, yeah. uh, number six, we have Uncle Drew still hanging in there, putting up good numbers. I'm pretty sure it didn't cost a lot of money to do that one. Number seven, Ocean's Eight still hanging in there. Number eight, we have Tag, and number nine, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Ooh. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's any other movie in there. Ooh, take this out, Eli. Number fourteen, Solo: A Star Wars Story. Wow, I'm just, I'm surprised it's still out. I'm, like I said, I mean, is it? <laughs> if you're number fourteen, you mean, it's like only a matter of time, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for it to not be in a theater yet, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm just go ahead and put it out on, on Blu-ray already. Let's go ahead and watch this thing. <laughs> Nobody's going to go back to the theaters and watch Solo. <laughs> so, yeah, like, like I said, we that was the box office right there. Now, like I said, today I did get a chance to watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. I waited all weekend to see it, and I got a chance to, to, to view it. Now, Eli, didn't you didn't see it. No. That's cool. No big deal. Like I said, it's not some movie. I, honestly, I'll I get to it. I'll get to it. Uh, I'm just going to give a quick review, a quick summary. Spoiler free. I'm not going to spoil oh, anything. Oh, not that's fine. I mean, I, hey, Infinity War got spoiled for me, so I don't Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You cannot know anything about Ant-Man and Wasp. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You know. It'll ruin the whole experience. No, it's not like that. It's just, I mean, like I said, I, I went and watched the movie, and at the end of the day, it's just you, you've seen them. They, they, they. You know how we felt like the Marvel movies went to a, another direction, where you had Thor Ragnarok, you know, doing something different, and Black Panther doing something different. You got Infinity War doing something different. Ant Man and Watch just doing the same thing. Yeah, it's the same stuff we were playing battle for. It's got a shitty villain, okay plot, snarky hero. It's very fillerish. Like for instance, like if you don't watch this movie, you'll be perfectly fine. Because this okay. movie barely, barely, barely ties into Infinity War. It's a tacked on scene that ties to Infinity War. Other than that, it could be just anything. Like, and that's another thing about it that because it's so far away from Infinity War, it, it feels like there's no consequence. Like whatever happens, it doesn't really matter. Well, this if I don't like, uh huh. I'm trying to think. Did I? No, I didn't see Dark Thor: Dark World in the theater. That was, I think, the only Marvel movie that I haven't seen in the theater. Maybe. Well, well see, the thing is, here's the thing with Thor: The Dark World. I, I think you almost kind of have to see it only because it involves an Infinity Stone, and I think that's about well, yeah. it. There's no. I was saying in the theater, like if I don't see Ant, the new Ant Man, will it? I was like, that will, maybe it will, I think that might be the second Marvel movie that I didn't see in the theater. Okay. Other okay. Than that, I'm trying to think if I. I, I might have seen the, everyone else in the theater except Dark One. Well, here's the thing. I'm looking at the numbers. Let me pull these numbers up real quick. And I know I'm going. I'm doing a review right now, but I'm just going to look at these numbers real quick. Uh, opening weekend of Ant Man and the Wasp. Like I said, the opening weekend was 76 million. Now, for well, a regular movie, that's not bad. They'd be jumping for joy, you know, champagne and, and orgies and stuff like that. But for a Marvel movie, that is different. For a Marvel movie, it is one. It is the fifth lowest grossing marvel opening weekend <laughs> so it's a lot of people just like eh, i don't care <laughs> you know well it's it's, it's, it's and hopefully they didn't blow 300 400 million on this i doubt sure they, they did i, I yeah. doubt they did because the thing is it actually did outgross ant-man's opening weekend but it did better than ant-man yeah and overall, I feel like the movie is better than Ant-Man. Now, let me talk about Ant-Man for a second. I feel like the first Ant-Man is the most mediocre Marvel movie they've ever made. It's yeah. not the worst. It's not the best. They made like a whole crap load of these movies, right? Wherever they are, Ant-Man is right there in the middle. Like that's your yeah. barometer right there. So I do feel like Ant-Man and the Wasp is better than that one. I did feel like it was more entertaining. Uh, since it's one director instead of two directors, like the last movie, it feels more... You know more more focused you know yeah and so I, I love i love uh wasp but that actress i've always loved her ever since lost and stuff like that so it's cool um you know it's it's 
even though it's a lot more characters in there, it's still Ant-Man's movie. Even though it kind of feels like Ant-Man actually fucked up the movie more like like the plot of the movie probably would have got simplified, like solved a whole lot quicker if Ant-Man wasn't in the movie. Okay. If, if, if you watch the movie, it'll make more sense to it's like everything because he kept fucking up so much. OK, <laughs> well, it like, sounds like he's that's all he is. He's just like comic relief. You know? That's all he is. But he got to the point that not only was he kind of relief, like the plot wise, he kept doing stupid shit to, to make the plot drag itself out. Where I feel like if he wasn't even in it and if it was just watch movie, this movie probably would have been 30 minutes and that's it. And everybody went, went home, you know. <laughs> And some people say that was a criticism also. They kind of, because Ant-Man wasn't like a complete idiot in the first movie. You know, he actually seemed like he was competent and capable. But in this yeah. one, he does seem like a complete idiot in this movie where he completely, constantly keeps fucking up. And you can almost say they kind of downplay him to upplay Wasp. Because obviously she knows what the hell she's doing in this movie. So. Okay, yeah. But I'm not going to get into the, all the SJW bullshit that's going on. I'll, I'll let the internet handle all that stuff. I know oh. some people are already mad because people are complaining that her image on the poster was bigger than his image. Oh, that that the wasp was a woman, awesome. right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the internet for you. It's always a bullshit going on. But yeah, overall, I give the movie, and I probably here's the thing: I'm gonna give the movie a three out of five. The reason I'm giving the movie a three out of five because I'm thinking about stuff about what I remember from the movie and I can't remember anything from the movie <laughs> and I saw it today so that should tell you something <laughs> so yeah it's an entertainable movie that you will pre completely forget about the moment you walk out of the movie because everything that happens in the movie is inco inconsequential okay so there's no there's no really connect is there any connection to Infinity War? Is it just there, filler? I'm, 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 a, I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say the only connection is in the first after credit scene. Oh, okay. Only the first after credit scene. The rest of the movie is inconsequential. The first after credit scene ties in Infinity War. The second uh, after credit scene, completely meaningless. Like as nothing like you can you literally don't need to watch you after you watch the first credit scene just just leave just walk out. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's how I feel about Ant Man and Wasp. But it's nothing you just gotta just rush out and just go see. It's if you like the first Ant Man, you'll like this. But if you didn't like the first Ant Man, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that being said, let's keep on to this MCU thread we have going on. Like I said, we're gonna talk about Thanos for a second. Because we have something that did tie into uh, Infinity War. And there is a Reddit page dedicated. It's a, it's a Reddit fan page dedicated to Thanos. And the page is called. Now, Eli, did I tell you anything about this? Yeah, you sent me the, you sent me the link. I read a little. I didn't read all, every comment. But okay. I kind of skimmed through it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let me give you the, the, the nuts and bolts and the gist of really what's going on. Okay, so the name of the, the page is Thanos did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's the name of the page. So they love Thanos so much that they decided to get with the admins and they just said on July 9th, they're going to do their own snapping or the snapture or whatever. Now, what I mean by that, like a, a currently that Reddit page has over almost 600,000 subscribers. So on July 9th, they're going to delete half. Okay. Yeah. So. 
Who's going to be there? They don't know. They're just going to just, and they say they're going to do it as a bot. So it's going to be random, you know, so it won't be picking favorites and stuff like that. So they don't know who's going to get deleted. People are taking bets. You know, people are saying they're going to go to the Snapture. I think they're even going to make a, a, a separate page called the Soulstone page. <laughs> so everybody gets <laughs> deleted. It can just hang out there. <laughs> so because they said they were going to do it on July 5th at first. They said to push it back to the ninth. So that. Seems kind of insane to just delete 300,000 people, but hey, that's Thanos for you. Just yeah. perfectly balanced as all things should be. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any other Marvel. Oh, yeah, one more Marvel news on there. Oh, uh, we just got news today that Captain Marvel has wrapped. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so they're done with that. Now, when it means it wrapped, it doesn't mean the movie is completely done. It doesn't mean principal photography has been finished, but it means now the CGI people and special effects people have got to do their thing. So they have until now, until whenever that movie comes out, they're going to crank out these special effects and get it going from there. So, but yeah, as far as Samuel Jackson, some hair. Yeah. Oh yeah. They did say that Samuel Jackson will be digitally de-aged in this movie. Yeah. Which I got to admit on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Eli, they perfected that technology. Oh no shit. When they show Michelle Pfeiffer at the beginning, it's not a spoiler. You already know she's in it because she's in the poster. It fucked me up. She looked like she just walked out of Batman Returns. (laughs) <laughs> like that shit was eerie like it, you couldn't tell at all it was nothing so if they perfected it now by the time they get to Captain Marvel it's gonna he's gonna look like Pulp Fiction <laughs> it's Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch <laughs> it's, it's so, Jerry Curl and shit right <laughs> Jerry Curl. say what again I double dare you motherfucker <laughs> uh, so yeah but that's you all for the uh yeah, that's all for the uh, Captain. What well, Marvel news in general? What kind of Marvel news? Because now we're going to stick to one other character. And that is not character, but I guess it is a character. Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Scarlett Johansson in news again. Seriously, folks. But seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, and I'm going to pull up this information. I want to make sure I don't misinterpret any of this. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is playing. She just accepted a role to play a transgender, a real life transgender that was named that's real name is uh Dante Tex Gill. Mm-hmm. But since she's playing a transgender and she's not a transgender gender, you have people and even actors that are transgender very, very upset about this. Yeah. Now for people that, you know, are new to this whole Scarlett Johansson controversy, this is almost exactly what happened last year. Mm-hmm. With another movie that she played in, which is Ghost in the Shell, who said that maybe you know she was taking the role of an Asian character, and they were saying that maybe Asian uh, Asian characters should have played her. Now I defended Ghost in the Shell at the time until I saw the movie. <laughs> now when I saw the movie, I was like, "What the fuck?" I'm gonna spoil that movie for you. That movie's a piece of shit anyway. Oh, uh, so people are saying, "Oh, her race doesn't matter because she's a robot." Well, maybe it does, but at the end of the movie, they reveal that she actually was playing an Asian woman, yep. <laughs> and they put a and she put an Asian woman in her body. So, like, what the fuck? She hugged her Asian mother and everything, so she literally was whitewashed as <laughs> as an Asian character. So you yeah. can't defend Ghost in the Shell. If any mo anything you try to defend a Ghost in the Shell, that ending completely fucks you up. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cringy 
Yeah, so I'm like, well, but, but like I said, that is not the reason that movie sucked. That movie sucked because that movie sucked. Could have got anybody in room. Almost glad they put Scar Johansson in because if they put a, a Asian woman in that shitty ass movie, I almost would have felt bad for her. No. Like, you just set up to fail. So, that being said, now here's the thing. I looked up the turn, I looked up what was going on with this, and then, like I said, there are some trans actors that are pretty much upset with everything that's going on with Scarlett Johansson and they're throwing around a lot of terms that I don't know. Like I said, I'm not familiar with any of this stuff. You know. Yeah, I'm yeah, the whole binary uh whatever, I'm yeah, I'm that's over my head. I don't I just I I hey, I'm cool with it all. Whatever makes yeah. you happy. Whatever you know. Yeah, I'm and cool. comic book movies, we, we are it. we are tolerant. We are tolerant. We are not I, I, yeah. bashing anybody. I, I feel like if if you're an adult and it doesn't hurt kids and yeah. it's legal, have fun. You know. Yeah. Go, I don't, go for it. You know, I'm, have yeah. have fun. Do you? you know? I don't know these terms or whatever you what you call whatever or you know I, I you know someone called me a cis white male. I'm like, I was I, like, what, what, what the is, fuck I mean, is that? What the fuck is that? Well, for, first, the only thing that offended me is they called me white. Right. You know? <laughs> I was like, I ain't white. <laughs> right. You've been called a racist before, but not white. You know. Yeah. You know, but cis white male. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Oh, that means you identify as a male. Okay. And okay, yeah. What's I mean, what's the problem? Right. Is, is, am I <laughs> like, supposed to be offended at that? Or, I mean, like, yeah, I'm a dude. I, I like boobs and burgers and, you know, what? Okay, is that wrong? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But whatever, man. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but okay. But Eli, we got we got to go there, man. We got to go. Like I said, this is one of those topics where I all because I felt like we never. Not turn down a topic. I feel like any topic that ever came up in the, you know, in the geek world, we've already addressed it head on. This yeah. one, I was almost like, maybe we should leave this one alone. <laughs> Until <laughs> you text me, like, let's talk about it. <laughs> so, fuck it, let's go there. Okay, so, do you think that Scarlett Johansson is miscast in this role? Hey, my first reaction... A movie called Rub and Tug, starring Johansson. <laughs> I'm there. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but when I, when I, you know, when I, when I looked, read about what it was about and all that, I'm like, okay. I mean, the movie sounds interesting, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, and I, I, I get it. Representation matters. You know, especially we, you know, we, we were all over Black Panther's nuts over how important representation was. Right. And, and, and I, and I understand, yeah, it, it, you know, it matters and it's good to see, have people, um, cast in, in these roles. And I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But I also understand, hey, they, they got to sell a movie. They got to put butts in seats. Of course. We thought that, you know, this is the same argument they had with Ghost in the Shell. Right. And, and, that and it blew up in their face. Right. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, for me as a Native American, until I, until I see a Native American family sitcom on TV, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
Because they got that TV show about the the the, the ball or whatever, where they, the, you know, the I don't know what it's called, the the Vogue the Vogers. There was transgender people who like broke into like buildings in New York and like did had balls and shit. I've like, never heard these, of it. These model catwalk balls is like it, it's I know I I haven't watched it. It looked interesting. I just haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. But I, I'm like, yeah, you got you guys got your own TV shows and shit. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, like I said, and transgender actors are starting to pop up on more shows. Like you'll watch a show and you'd be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine." Yeah. You know, yeah, cool, you're not man. used to that stuff, but, but you know, how will Scarlett Johansson be portrayed as a transgender? I don't know. Yeah, and it's who's a man? It's a man, right? She's a, playing a man. Basically. Well, that's that's the thing. Like you can't say that. That's actually insensitive. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't agree. Like you said, you fuck around and say the wrong thing, and everybody jumps down your throat because you, yeah. you don't. Yeah. I, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I, I just don't know. I don't. You're I right. don't know. I don't understand. You know. <laughs> like we're admitting we un- don't understand, but at the same time, if if you know if you do understand and if you're pissed about this, I, I feel like this. You're allowed to be pissed about this. Yeah. If if you want representation. You know, of, of any kind, you're you're allowed to be pissed. If somebody wants to get mad at you for being mad at that, screw them. You know, tell them to go take a hike or something like that. Because anybody okay. can be mad at whatever they want to be. Because everybody wants to be represented in some way in the media. Yeah, this yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, even my kid understands it more than I do. You know, <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, like I said, I feel like kids are growing up a different world than we are. Yeah. We didn't we didn't grow up with this. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what gay was until I was like a teenager. Like, I right. had no idea. Well, I mean, we we knew, existed. we kind of knew, but our, our our I think our perception of gay is different than what kids' perception of gay is now. Yeah. I mean, let yeah. let's go there. Let's let's go there. Gay used to be a mental illness. Yeah. I mean, I mean, diagnosed as a mental illness. I'm not saying I, I think it was a mental illness, but they used to be diagnosed as a mental illness. You know? But now, you know, perception of it has changed since then. You know, now people have yeah. representation of it. But like, like I said, the way we grew up with it, how it was, completely different than it was now. Even when you start seeing gay people popping up on on TV or the movies, stuff like that, it was like once every now and then, or somebody popped up as groundbreaking, like Ellen DeGeneres or something. You know, Roseanne. Rose, Roseanne, Roseanne had gay like you were saying, people you know. on her show, her old show back in the day. You know? Right, or they would have a special episode, or the next door neighbor would come over and reveal they were gay, and they would have a whole yeah. episode about it, and they would talk about it and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, <laughs> you know. But now it's completely different. Now, you, superhero show, the CW, every oh, yeah. single show has a gay person. Well, I'm not gonna say gay because like that's being sensitive. Also, LGBT, whatever. Is that. A there? There's a Q in there somewhere. Whatever classified, <laughs> whatever's in that category, you got one on each show. Yeah, you know, and there's a reason for that, and I and I actually didn't know this at the time. Okay, remember that guy? You know the guy Greg Berlanti, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he's gay. He's gay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that until I found out that he directed Love Simon. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> so when I realized he directed, oh, it's like a light bulb went off my head. Like, oh. Yeah. Like the ending of a uh, that movie, Usual Suspects. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. so that's what dropped the coffee cup and shit. right coffee cup dropped. It. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are so safe the whole time. 
so yeah, so that shocked me now. So it's a completely different world we live in than it did now. Now you got like uh Kevin um Kevin Feige saying he's going to push for, you know, you know, LGBT characters in the Marvel universe, not just on you know the TV screen, but in the Marvel universe. And I think he's full of shit. People need to understand that every almost everything that comes out of Kevin Feige's mouth is bullshit. So don't take anything he says seriously. Because he says he's going to make LGBT characters, but he said he's already had them in there. But the thing is, every time they shoot an LGBT scene, it's cut out. Valkyrie is gay in the comics. They said mm-hmm. she had a scene, but they cut it out. Uh, one of the Jordan Malaje is gay in the comics. They had a scene, but they cut it out. Yeah. So if you yeah. cut it out, you're not gay. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't have a scene to say, oh, take our word for it. They're gay. We didn't shoot the scene. You know, the scene doesn't exist. No. <laughs> So, Kevin Feige, stop fucking with people. I mean, what, what, once once one of these movies make a billion, then they'll be <laughs> right. Once they once having gay gay characters in your movies is profitable, then it'll yeah. Now, if DC <laughs> want to get a get a, a leap on this, make a Midnighter movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the funniest thing when he was looking at uh, Nightwing was in disguise. He was like, "Oh, I recognize Nightwing. I know that ass anywhere." <laughs> Like, uh, I think we got way off topic. Can we get off this topic? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I, said, I had nowhere to go with that one on there. So I'm trying to think what else we got on there. Um. Okay. Um. Uh, Eli, we got time to kill. You want to talk about William Shatner? Ah, uh, do I? <laughs> we got time. I told you I was going to segue into it. <laughs> All right. William Shatner. I'm not. I, you know what? I'm not a Star Trek fan, so I don't really give a shit. Yeah. I'm not a. I'm not a Little House on the Prairies fan. So again, that's another thing I don't give a shit. Um, however, I am Native American, and this sort of, I guess, I gotta have. I have to have. I'm obligated to have an opinion on this. So, okay. Now, what has happened? Um, Laura Ingalls Wilder. She wrote the books about Little House on the Prairie. They made, they were a bunch of books. They made a TV show back in the 80s. Was it the 80s? I was a little kid. Not a fan of the show. My sister watched it. I think it was in the 70s. Yeah, it was. I think by the time we, you know, we were coming up, it was already in reruns. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't into it. It wasn't my thing Um, about, yeah, Little House on the Prairie. Well, she had a, a book award that would go, that they gave to um, authors who would write children's books. And this has been going on for years. You know, if I got the Laura Ingalls Wilder Book Award, or whatever the fuck it's called. Well, as it turns out, the committee, the people who run the award, decided to change the name of the award. Because as it turns out, in some of her books, um, there are some sort of racially insensitive um references to native americans you know Mm. now this is back she wrote these books in the 1860s and that was in minnesota that's where i'm from that's where i live now and that's where my people my tribe the the dakota people are from and this is the 1860s this is right after the uprising and um, the dakota exile they called it where natives were basically outlawed from the state they you know you they could be shot on sight that's where the term Redskins came from. You know, you got you got you brought in an Indian scalp, you got paid for it. You know? Okay. <laughs> so this, this yeah, this is this and this is the time she grew up in. 
And so whenever she referred to natives in her books, they weren't, I guess, she wasn't referring to them, you know, very, very, uh, very nicely, <laughs> you know, because people back then were scared of natives, you know, right. we, we, we were monsters. We were the boogeyman. So <laughs> right. And so she wrote from that perspective. Um, so based on that, they decided to change the name of this award. Now it's just called the children's book award or whatever the fuck, you know, but of course people found out about this Fox news. Of course, the PC police are banning, you know, little house on the prairie books. Now they ran this whole thing there, you know, that they're being persecuted and all this shit, you know, acting like victims as always. And then William Shatner got on Twitter and went on a big rant about basically how he, he's misinterpreting that that he's basically thinking that these books are being censored, that we're censoring history and we're censoring Little House and all this shit. Here's my thing. Why yeah. is William Shatner even involved in this in the beginning with? Maybe he's a fan of the show. Maybe he grew up. I mean, those books were pretty popular, I guess, back you know, back then. <laughs> I mean, I, I I get that. I'm just like, why William Shatner of all people? That's that's my yeah. thing. I mean, his argument, and that's the thing. His argument, I agree. He's talking about censoring, you know, censoring art, censoring, you know, historical art. You know, it's a, it's a, it's from its period. It's, it's, it talks about, you know, the history. You know, it's, it's, it's that, that historical perspective that that is important. That you know, like Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Yeah, I was just about to yeah, say Mark Twain yeah. with Huckleberry Finn. They say the N word like two hundred times in that book, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's a product of its time. It's still considered a classic, but it's a product of its time. Um, and yes, we have learned since then. And I'm I'm for that. I, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm I'm really against censorship. I don't think art should be censored. I don't think it should be changed. I don't think anything should be omitted from these books but that's not what's happening people are freaking out like william shatner's freaking out fox news is freaking out these books aren't being censored they're, they're still available you can still go to the library you can still go buy one you're not you won't be arrested for it they're not <laughs> burning these books they're just changing the name of the award <laughs> right so basically what happened on twitter is a bunch of native people who were following on uh, william shatner you know, of course, started responding to him. And I guess he probably felt attacked. So you have and, native Star Wars nerds. Yeah. Let <laughs> I me mean, Star Trek nerds. I mean, Star okay. Trek nerds. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like, you know, they, they freaked out and started responding to him. And he basically started deleting or blocking everybody. Now, the reason why I found out about this is because, I, you know, I follow uh, Jeffrey Varaghi. I, I don't know how to say his last name. He's a native comic book artist. He works for Marvel. He's done a lot of shit for Valiant. And he's a big Star Trek fan. Shout and out he to Get got, Valiant. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Get Valiant, you know. Um, he, he got blocked by Shatner. And that's how I learned about this because I saw his thing. My hero blocked me today. And then I looked into it, and that's where I found, oh, William Shatner is like losing his mind over this shit. You know, he got triggered hard. Right. <laughs> so now you got all these natives that are like, fuck William Shatner, that racist piece of shit. And, you know, <laughs> all this shit going on. And I'm just like, man, uh, here's my thing. Like I said, I'm not a fan of Star Trek. I'm not a fan of Little House on the Prairie. So I don't have any emotional attachment to, to what's going on. Other, But, you know, for me as a Native American, I'm like, okay, 
it's nice that this this committee or whatever this award committee recognized our point of view. You know, I'm like, oh, cool. You're changing the award because of, you know, it's insensitive toward Native Americans. Cool. That's hey, that hey, I, I appreciate the gesture. Did I ask for it? No. You know, <laughs> but but I appreciate the recognition. You know, um, but I didn't. I, I didn't I didn't ask for the whole blow up, though, you know, this whole what it's causing, you know, it's, you know, watching the Fox News segment, seeing Megan Kelly and all these non-Indians, oh, right, right. non-Indians talk about how we should feel about it. <laughs> it's like I didn't ask for that. Either. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And it just it's just it just makes again, it's like when we Native Americans barely we put up with so much. And we barely say anything, but when we do say something, everyone just freaks out. Oh my God, you guys just get over it. And all, it's the same shit, and and that's what's happening again. It's like nothing's changed, and it's just like uh, bumming me out. Oh crap, you know. <laughs> right, and that's why so, I feel like I agree with you. We shouldn't have censorship because we need to learn from the past. Yeah. You know, those things that that's how they thought and that's how is it we need to keep all that media the same. That way we can learn where we came from and now come from there. Like just like we were talking about, you know, uh, gays and LGBT. We need to keep that media the same way to understand where, you know, we came from mentally wise, perceptive wise from there to where we are now. You know? Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. I, like, I, I feel like everybody's overreacting. You know, you know, William Shatner's overreacting. Nobody's censoring the books. No right. one's taking the books off the shelves. You can still go read these books. You know, they're just changing the name of this stupid fucking award. That's all they're doing. <laughs> and the natives, I, and I understand the outrage. I understand the need to lash out. But at the same time, you know, these motherfuckers don't know. You know what I mean? You can't get mad at motherfuckers who don't know. And when you try, if you want to educate and 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 have people learn our perspective. You got to go easy, man, because you start coming at them with rage and, you know, the way they are, especially on social media, you get you get you get blocked by William Shatner. <laughs> right. Because you can't tell who's sincere, who's been an asshole yeah. on the Internet. That doesn't translate, you know, yeah. to social media. So, yeah. So now William Shatner looks like a racist piece of shit who hates natives. And now you got a <laughs> bunch of natives who are like, fuck William Shatner, fuck Star Trek, blah, 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 you know. And I'm like, oh. A bunch of bullshit. <laughs> well, at least you know? we got Chris Pine. So yeah, <laughs> that brings me to something because, like you were just saying about that, like I said, there was a. Can I tell you secretly one of my favorite shows of all time? Okay, Dukes of Hazards. Oh really? Yeah, one of my favorite shows of all time. I used to love okay. Dukes of Hazards. Used to watch every every Friday when it came on CBS. Now they tried to get, and I don't even think they tried to. I think they banned Dukes of Hazards. I know they freaked out about the Confederate flag. The Confederate flag. I think they like had it banned, and I think they tried to remove, you know, Dukes of Hazards from everything. Like get it taken off the, you know, airways, get it taken off syndication, everything because of the Confederate flag. And I'm like, okay, I get it. The Confederate flag is a sensitive subject. I get it. it's a controversial subject, but at the same time, like I said, it is history, and there's some people. <sighs> I shouldn't be defending the Confederate flag, should I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about where I'm going with this. You know, I like this show. Fuck it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Flag, you know, <laughs> I get it's a federal flag. These guys riding around and stuff like that. And, you know, yes, I understand the show is insensitive. And but, you know, 
we don't need to ban stuff like that. We don't. Like yeah. we need to we need to have an open discussion of stuff like that. That's what we need. Yeah, and because just because just because you like the show doesn't mean you're a sellout Uncle Tom fucking scumbag piece of shit. Oh, I, you know? I've been called all that stuff before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's the that's the thing about racism. The problem is with racism why it lives alone because we never have open discussion about it. We always just cover it up and we just don't talk about it and we just never mention it. Hope it goes away, mm-hmm. but. That's how we're in 2018 still having these discussions. Yeah. Because we never have the discussion. Yeah. So and that's what, the thing with, yeah. with, with, with what these natives tried to do with, with William Shatner. They just, hey, dude, you know, at least we're being recognized. You know what I mean? Right. We were always being portrayed as the boogeymen, you know, and, and all the Westerns, you know, were, were the, we were the first Hollywood monsters, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, and that and, and still to this day, you turn on your TV and, and you know, find a native, you know, on TV. And if you do, is he in buckskin? You right. know, has he got a feather is in his hair? His shirt? <laughs> is he on a fucking sports jersey? <laughs> you know, it's the same shit. And that and that's what we're, we're striving to be recognized as human beings and not cartoon characters. Right. And so when this like I said, this when, you know, you got these books that are just out there that have are portraying natives as you know boogeymen it's yeah it it gets a little exhausting and that's i think that's what this this committee did is like okay we're gonna change this name we can't have this book this award that goes out to children's books you know referring to natives as boogeymen or whatever right (laughs) you know and i'm like okay cool that's nice thanks a lot you know and it's just it gets brought up like, yeah, they they just take it so much out of context and overreact, and then we can't have those conversations because everyone overreacts right away, you know. And that's what's happening here. People are just freaking out when it's just all it is. It's just an award, you know. Yeah. And I do feel like people freak out on both sides when sometimes we do need to just you know calm down yeah. on both sides, you know, just have a discussion. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and I under I understand, you know, being a native. I understand, you know, wanting to lash out and getting pissed off, and because it's you deal with it all the time. You deal like you got to choose your battles, like constantly choose your battle. Right. <laughs> like you know, like in Get Out, like hmm, should I, should I say something or should right. I? <laughs> you, you know, you got to. You know, you're seeing all this weird stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, like hmm. Okay, you know, hey, my man, and the way they try to shake your hand and shit. Right. (laughs) You know, like, okay, should I let this slide, or am I gonna be that that one darky that causes a scene? Right. (laughs) You're gonna stay in the sunken place. So yeah. Yeah. All right. right. Like I said, we're gonna move past that. I'm just gonna do a little bit of house cleaning real quick. Uh, now for everybody that has been. On PC, you know, everybody knows about the Steam sales that just went on then. I'm just going to give you my overall haul of what I bought, you know, during the Steam sales. So, like I said, I bought uh, NBA 2K for, I think, uh, $10 or something. I don't know. Uh, I bought a whole bunch hey. of Season 2 character pass, Street Fighter 5, Street Fighter 5, Season 1 and Season 2. I bought, bought Vanquish, a really fun third-person shooter. I bought Dragon Ball Z Fighters, fun game, haven't played it yet. Marvel's Capcom Infinite said I was not going to play it, but it was on sale, so <laughs> fuck it. You know how much? Uh, thirty dollars. Oh, uh, it, you know it was sixty, but this thirty. This is with the DLC. 
Okay, well, so, there you go. Yeah, so Black Panther comes with it. So Okay. <laughs> so, and you also bought Bayonetta. So. Oh, the first one? Yeah, the first one, yeah. yeah. So, some fun games. So, follow me on Twitch. Follow me on YouTube, stuff like that. I will be streaming these games one another. I'll be having commentary going on, so definitely follow me, some shit like that. So, yeah, just getting that out the way. Uh, we can move on past that. Can we move on to the to the bread and butter section now? Uh, sure. Cool. Let's do that. Okay. So, for those of, those of you that are new to the Comic Book Bullies podcast, this is the bread and butter. This is the part that pays the bills. This is where we actually talk about comic books. Save this for the very end. But that doesn't mean it's any less than what it is now. Uh, like I said, a lot of interest. This is a lot of interest. Uh, books came out this week, and both Eli and I read a shit ton of books this more than I usually read. To be honest with you. Yeah, it was a big week. It was a big week. So, Eli, I'm gonna give you the biggest book of the week, and you can start right now. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You should, you should have known that was coming. Are we talking about the wedding? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> Or should I say the non-wedding? <laughs> oh, you're, you're spoiling it. Yeah, you're fucking. You're spoiling it now. Let's move to the next one. <laughs> Basically, we don't, do we have to talk about it? <laughs> we we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. It's an open discussion. So just give us a you know quick summary. You know, quick breakdown. Okay, so for the past what year? How long is it? How long have they been building this shit up for? Yeah, Since Tom Two years? King started on the book. <laughs> Yeah, they've been teasing Bat. You know, Batman has proposed to Catwoman about a year or so ago. She said yes, and we've been building up to this wedding. You know, save the date. I even had an invitation. I saw you, know, it. you little, posted it on. Yeah, yeah, a little. It showed up in my uh, pull list uh, a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh, that's cool. A little a- actual invitation. Um, uh, yeah, infamous Batman number fifty. Uh, so this is the actual wedding issue. Um, uh, let's see. They decide, you know, Batman, Catwoman decide, let's get married tonight. We'll get married at dawn. You get a witness. I'll get a witness. We'll do it on a rooftop, you know, because we can't tell anybody our identities, all that shit. You know, so they're, so they're you know, they're crossing their I's and dotting their T's or, you know what I mean, <laughs> vice versa. Uh, and um, the, the issue is basically told through i believe letters that they're writing each other are they vows you think you kind of think that they're writing vows to each other and it just goes through the history of the relationship it's basically a tribute the whole issue is a tribute to batman and catwoman's relationship throughout the years you have these uh um different uh uh sort of artist pages uh from a bunch of guest artists like frank you know, miller shows up on yeah frank one. miller you got faye bach you got uh, Daniels, you know, Jim Lee, of course, had, you know, his version of Catwoman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's basically a, just a, like I said, a, it's, it's a homage to the to the relationship of, of Batman and Catwoman. But at the end of the uh, the end of the right, right when you think the wedding's going to happen, Catwoman decides to leave Batman at the altar. Um, because she's yeah, because her reasoning is if Batman is happy, then he can no longer be Batman. Batman needs to be driven by misery and tragedy to do the things that he did he, that he does. So and she doesn't want to rob the world of, you know, of Batman. So she decides, fuck it and takes off and leaves him at the altar. They don't get married. The last panel shows uh, Batman's rogue gallery all gathered you know, and they're like, the bat is broken because they know he's bummed out, you know, because uh, his love left him. 
So, yeah, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of, yeah, kind of anticlimactic. They built it up. I mean, I get the reasoning. I Even while I was reading it, I was like thinking, how long is this marriage going to last? You know, right. this can't last. And, and how, how, and I was thinking, how long are they going to drag it out? And who's going to. Who's gonna come and retcon all this shit? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was thinking flashpoint everything. Yeah, I was thinking of all of that while I was reading the comic, and then when it actually happened, I was like, "Oh yeah, well, well, there it goes." <laughs> <laughs> so kind of act climactic. They tease this big event, and only for it not to happen. It's it's kind of a bummer it didn't happen. You kind of felt bad for Batman because you know, yeah, he he's always a miserable asshole. And you'd like to see him, you know, happy for once, but that's not the case. You know, you don't get to see that. So, um, let's see. I'll give it a, I'll give it a, a three point eight out of five. Okay. I will say not not quite a four, um, because of the story. But I will. I did like the. I did. There was some awesome moments. Like I said, there was. You know, the, the, the moment where Al, he asked Alfred to be his best man or or to be his witness. And, you know, when they hug each other, there, there's, that, there's that, some touching that was touching to me. Yeah, there was some very poignant moments. Of course, seeing all these artists, you know, do their, uh, you know, do their tributes to Batman and Catwoman. It was it was just it was really cool. I mean, it was a good read, but storyline, it was it was a disappointing outcome, I guess. So. 3.8 out of 5, I'll give it. I'll, I'll just give my, you know, quick synopsis. on. Like I said, I read the book also. Uh, some of the things, same things you were saying, I was agreeing with you also. It very was very anticlimactic. I thought it was going to... I was kind of hoping, you know, Batman would find happiness and it would be a new chapter in Batman's life. And, you know, the character could grow. Mm-hmm. You know, her and Catwoman. But apparently, no. Nah, basically, at the end of the issue, kind of reset to zero. Uh, yeah. We're not gonna review Catwoman one, but basically the shows what happened. And Catwoman skipped town. There's another yeah. town having other adventures and shit, you know. Oh, uh, and yeah, like you said, the the most touching part of the book was when Alfred asks, "Uh, you said you need a witness, so do you want me to contact Master Dick or do you want me to contact Master Clark?" You know, mm-hmm. like you know, you know what? I was thinking about you the whole time, Alfred. I mean, I couldn't do this without you. You've been there from step one, and when he hugged him, man. I was like, oh man. Yeah, because that that always didn't sit right with me, you know, with with, you know, Dick Grayson and Clark Kent being his best man. I was like, why are they fighting over? Because because I think I always thought that Dick shouldn't be the best man over Clark, you know, but Mm -hmm. having Alfred being the best man like that makes more sense than anything. Yeah. You know, basically his father figure, you know, being being his witness and stuff like that. And then you had, you know, Catwoman getting Holly Robinson in there. Holly Robinson was in the Batman Year One storyline. So nice callback to that. I do like how every area they're in has the name of a comic book creator that worked on Batman, you know. Yeah. And even at the very end when it came down to it, and I, I think it was almost a nod to it, you know, where Batman says we're going to go where, where the rooftop that started it all. So Catwoman goes to the Bob Kane rooftop, where Batman goes to the Bill Finger rooftop. Wow, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. You know, they kept dropping like Wing Avenue and stuff, and it, it was just pretty cool in there. So, and then just the ending of how the the Rogues just finding out that Batman is broken, and I mean, so has been Bane been planning this the whole time? Was this like some some new information? Uh. Yeah, Bane has been kind of hanging in the back, 
But uh, I mean, the Joker too. There's been a. I thought the Joker was gonna do some shit. Like I, I think was, they set it up like he was gonna do something. Yeah, he never showed up. Right. Yeah, I, and that that was another thing. I thought like at the wedding there was gonna be this and big battle. I'm like so an glad they didn't do that. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> I get sick of that shit. Ultron shows up and you know fucks up a wedding. Like don't do that, <laughs> man. You know, just this was you know. This was heartfelt. I, I felt like even though it was anticlimactic, it was the best anticlimax you can have because the whole time they're telling the story about how they know each other and basically how they really know each other because they can look in their eyes and tell that Batman looks in Catwoman's eyes and because the colors flicker, he can tell that she's a complicated person he can't figure out. But Catwoman looks in Batman's eyes and Bruce Wayne's eyes, she just sees blue and she realizes, well, he's simple. He's basically, it's, it's still a child. You know, he's still yeah. the same child that, you know, saw his parents die then. And if I complicate his life, he can't be Batman. The only way he can be Batman is to be a child, you know, to be in rest of development. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I kind of see. But at the same time, this is actually the same thing right why Talia left him. Yeah. Like in, in Son of Demon, like back in the 70s, some shit like that. So, well, and, and yeah, I mean, they've teased. I mean, him and Selena have always teased a relationship and there's always something is always right fucked it up we can't you know? be together because it is they can't, they, like yeah that. they don't trust each other in the end they don't trust each other and yeah you, th- you thought maybe this time it might work out yeah especially <laughs> you know when when batman asks alfred like can i be happy you know yeah <laughs> i mean a- there was like a few issues back there was a there was a scene with damien and selena where they were talking and yep. they were actually like like she's like you don't have to call me mom you know you know you know and they had they had that <laughs> those conversations that you know uh, a child and their step parent has and it's right. like wow is this really gonna happen so. <laughs> and that's the that's the thing i love and hate about tom king's writing about batman he makes batman feel human yeah so i i don't know if i'm used to that yet i haven't you know gotten used to that yet. i'm used to scott snyder where you know he prep god and you know all this yeah. shit like that so yeah. metal oh. god right <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, yeah, uh, awesome story. I give it a four point five out of five. I love the book. Okay. Yeah, if they got married, I would give it a five. <laughs> so, but they didn't get married. The splash panels where they were just showing each one how they met. I was loving it. So yeah. Uh, let me say, let me move on to the next book. We're gonna talk about Man of Steel number six. Now, Man of Steel number six is the last issue of this Man of Steel miniseries. Mm-hmm. So this is the conclusion of this whole thing. What's going on right now? So. Basically, how the book starts off starts off in a flashback where, you know, Jorel is in the, the Kent's apartment and he's talking to Kent. And he, you know, they're arguing back and forth with, you know, Clark and Lois. And Jonathan just busts out and says, look, I'm going with him. I got to go with him. He's like, why you got to go with him? Because something is not right with me. I saw this alternate future where I blow up the planet. And you didn't even tell me about it. He was like, well, the reason I didn't tell you about it because it wasn't you. You can't be responsible for something somebody else does in an ultimate reality. That may be true, but they turned me down. He was like, who turned you down? The Teen Titans. They turned me down. They said I wasn't Teen Titan material. And they're the greatest group in the world. And Clark Kent whispered to us, he like, I thought the Justice League were. But he doesn't mention that to his kid. He was like, so something is not right with me. Are you telling me to just wait it out, stuff like that, but there's more that I need to know. And Lois is like, look, you can do whatever you want to, but Jorel, you're not taking my kid. And Jorel said, okay, let me give you option two. How about you all come? And they think about like, huh? Yeah, yeah, you all come with me. Because let's be honest, Kalel, you need to learn more about the universe also. Your, your growth is kind of stunning just living on this backwater planet Earth. 
and he since he's a kryptonian son by by a uh, kryptonian adult by earth by krypton standards he can make his own decision and so lois just makes a phone call she's like i tell you what let me call perry let me get everything straightened out and clark is like wait i, I can't leave i'm superman if i leave you know, earth might be destroyed tomorrow dark side might just come and pop up any time because he he knows when i'm not here you're like okay well tell you what you stay and let me go with him and then they cut then we cut the present time and at present time uh superman is at the center of the earth with rogul czar and rogul czar is actually just ignoring him he's got this big ass bomb that's about to destroy the earth and shit like that he's just ignoring superman doesn't even care so superman just starts talking shit to him so much that eventually he turns around and gives attention and he tries to attack him superman's thinking to himself okay this guy is too strong I can't fight him straight up, but would it, but maybe I can outsmart him. So Roguzar attacks him. Superman is able to like sidestep him and move him out the way real quick. And then Roguzar just gets super pissed. But the moment he turns around, he noticed that the bomb is gone. The bomb is gone because Superman had took the bomb and flew it in out of space. And Superman is flying. He's like, okay, I got about a four second head start on this guy before he catches up with me. If I'm lucky. And as soon as he turned around, Roguzar is just right on his ass. They're in out of space. He's beating the shit out of him and stuff like that. The bomb is going us like that, and he's thinking he can kind of overpower him, but Superman can do nothing with this guy. So he's thinking, oh, well, this looks like this, I'm going to get my ass whooped and get killed again. But before Roguzar can lay the final smackdown on him, out comes Supergirl. Supergirl smacks the shit out of him, and they're going back and forth. So now it's two Kryptonians against one, smacks it like that. But he's still beating the shit out of both of them. They can't handle him. So uh, Supergirl is just like, okay, I'm going to end this right now. And she pulls out the gun to the Phantom Zone. And she just puts him in the Phantom Zone. Fight's over. And Superman's oh. like, oh, man. I, I want to fight this guy. You know, but she's like, well, you just can't just throw everything into the Phantom Zone car. That's, that's kind of fucked up. He's like, well, first off, he blew a Krypton. So if he was on Kryptonian, he would have sent him to the Phantom Zone anyway. And plus, he blew up Kandor with his own bare hands. So in my opinion, fuck him. You know, and they actually like scribble out the him, you know, the other part on top of him when she says it. So that's I'm quoting what she said. So they like, well, he's done. Well, we still got to find out what happened to the Krypton, whether or not he was telling the truth. Cause we don't know that. And Supergirl's like, you know what? You're right about that. So what I'm going to do, since you have to be here, I'm going to go in out of space. I'm going to find out exactly what happened to, to Krypton. And when I find out, I'm gonna come back and let you know. Matter of fact, if I go out there, I find out what happened uh, to Lois and John also, since you can't contact them, since Fuckface over here destroyed the the Fortress of Solitude, and you can't contact because you had the transmitter in there. So he like thanks. So they hug and they actually do a funeral for Candor, where they do like some kind of Kryptonian funeral where they shoot a bunch of shit in the sky, and the Justice League is around there and blah 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 and whatever. So cutting back to a little bit two weeks into the future. They go back to Metropolis and they got all these fires and the fire, you know, deputy chief is just some little kid walks in and she's like, I know who started the fires. He's like, oh, you do? Yeah, it was Superman. She's like, wait, what? Yeah, I saw him when he did it. At first, I thought he was doing it, you know, to help people. When I saw on the news, it was arson all over the place. That's when I realized he wasn't doing it to help people. And that's how the book ends. So, yeah. Okay. Um, conclusion. The the uh, Superman's family is out in space doing whatever with the galaxy. They beat Roguzar. I didn't hate Roguzar as everybody much hated him. Um, yes, I agree. He's villain of the week. I get that. But, <laughs> you know, what you expect? Big monster. Superman can beat. You know, they can't. Superman can't beat. And eventually he's going to come back. If, if Venice is in the story, 
Rogue is always come back because everybody gets out of the Phantom Zone. That's that's what they do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get the book of four out of five. I'm still looking for. I, I feel a lot of people. Matter of fact, every other podcast on the Outright Geekery Network has been shitting on this story. Oh really? I'm the only one that likes. It. I've been listening to every one of you guys. You <laughs> <laughs> don't think I don't listen? I listen. So yeah, so they've been shitting on the book. I'm the only one that likes it, but I'm sticking by my guns. I like this story. It's very Bendisy. There's Bendis dialogue in it, but like I said, it's a good change. And no matter what happens in this book, everything's gonna be reset to zero anyway. So it doesn't really matter, especially if nobody likes what's going on. So I'm just enjoying the ride. That's all. I'm just enjoying the ride. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, should I go with the Hulk? I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The next book. Yeah, you you can do the Hulk. Cause I got the yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so Immortal Hulk number two, and this is this is cool. I'm into this. I uh, it's basically back to basics. Uh, Bruce Banner is wandering the countryside, wander walking the earth, you know, bummed out, tortured by his demons, tortured by the past. Um, he's not sure if his brain is working right because uh, you know the Hawkeye's arrow fucked him up, and he's having trouble like thinking. Um, he stumbles upon this town where there's these mysterious deaths that are caused by radiation. He finds out that there it was gamma radiation, and it was a scientist who was doing these experiments to, as he was trying to save his his son from uh, having from cancer, I believe. And he was doing all this gamma radiation to basically try to turn, um, you know, have gamma heal them in a way that you know Bruce Banner you know, gets healed as a Hulk. Um, by doing that, he ends up killing his son and then, and then uh, a bunch of the town when, you know, and then he kills whoever finds out. So this, this sort of mad scientist is uh, kind of doing all the shady shit and the Hulk comes out and basically, uh, you know, puts a stop to it. And then at the end of the book, he calls up, you know, the, the EPA or whatever, and tells them tells them about what's been going on in this town, and um, they dig up his son. His son is still alive. He's like a, a a gamma zombie. So pretty cool. Again, it has that um, like sort of hard. They're going back to the horror element of the Hulk. The Hulk is a monster. So it's got that whole you know tales to astonish. Uh, you know you know. Tales from the Crypt type of a horror story. Um, Bruce Banner being tormented. He's like the Wolfman. He's, you know, he's struggling with that inner demon of his and his alter ego. And this Hulk is intelligent. He's like, he's like Mr. Fix-It. He's like, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm Which is actually how he originally was, like back when they yeah. first made him. So. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is really cool. I'm, I'm into the story. It's on my pull list now. I'll see where this goes. The art is awesome. Alex Ross doing these covers is really cool. I like the horror element that's going on in here. So, yeah, I give this a 4.5 out of 5. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I hope they stick with this direction, because I, yeah. I hate it when they go with the direction of a character, and then just because it doesn't sell a few issues, they just put everything back to zero. Stick with this one for a while yeah. and just see where it goes. You know? And this ju- and this is just like the old school. It's like this issue is like a one-shot. It's another self-contained story you know 
I thought they were going to continue on from issue one with that biker gang and the and the journalists or the cops that were investigating the murders and all that shit. I thought it was going to be a continuation of that. But no, this is just Bruce Banner, you know, on the run, going into a new town, new adventure, just like the old old school uh, books where he just jumped. The Hulk would jump you know, 100 miles away and land somewhere and fight some other monster. Then he jumps somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and the next issue, new story. And that's what I liked about this. It's just one and done. It was cool. Cool. Okay. All right. Uh, like I said, I guess the last book we're going to do, this is the last book we're doing, right? Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you had another one. I have nothing else. No, uh, I'll, 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 I'm good. So, yeah. Okay. Cat, yeah. <laughs> if we miss something, oh, well, fuck it. We missed it. Yeah. Uh, last book we're going to do is Captain America number one. Yeah. Uh, at first, I wasn't going to review this one, but I saw the writer's name. <laughs> and yeah, was, me too. Yeah, I said, so I, that's I, I'm check this out. Yeah, so. that made me, yeah, okay, I'm curious now. Uh, yeah. Tennessee Coates. <laughs> so he got read, us again. <laughs> he, he got us again. I was like, okay, I got to see what he does with Captain America. For those of you that are new to the podcast and don't know who Tennessee Coates is, like I said, he's not only writing for the Atlantic, he's also been the writer for. Uh, Black Panther for like the last two years. So, yeah. uh, I voiced my opinion on his Black Panther storyline. Eli has also. Uh, that's why I was curious to see what he was going to do with Captain America. And I wanted to see if Captain America fans could have the same reaction that us Black Panther fans had two years ago. Because I was like, oh, I'm here for the shitstorm. Oh. So, <laughs> let me go ahead and review this book. Okay. We ran the time back to a few months ago. We are in Russia, some mountains in Russia. And Hydra is carrying this convoy with this blonde girl in the back of it. She's tied up in this whole mountain. And out of nowhere, they get attacked by this brunette girl. She's just there. And she's just fucking everybody up, just taking out tanks, killing folks left and right, stuff like that. And, you know, the Hydra agents talk to the blonde girl. They're like, what are you doing? What, what is she doing out there? She's nobody. And the blonde girl is telling them, uh, hi. Look, this is Russia. We've stopped Nazis. We've stopped Napoleon from attacking us and conquering us. What makes you think Hydra's going to be any different? Why he's saying that like dead bodies just getting thrown at the window uh, of this guy's also. And then she just flicks her arm and just destroys the tank that she's in. So the blonde girl and the brunette girl address each other as Alexa and Celine. And there's only one Hydra agent that hasn't been killed yet. And Celine, the dark haired girl, says, I'm hungry. And she's like, no, 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 we're going to save him. We got to send a message to Mother Russia. Because there may not be heroes, there will always be winter. So they take that one Hydra agent, they teleport. So cut to present time. We are in Washington, D.C. Uh, at the National Mall. Uh, domestic terrorism is going on. We have domestic terrorists by these cyborgs with American flags in their face, just like the old Captain America supervillain named Nuke. But instead of just one Nuke, you got a whole army of these guys, and it just mowing down just anybody they can see they don't care they're just open firing everybody so of course captain america with guns with guns guns. a mass shooting a mass mass shooting shooting. this is this is not symbolism this is not subtext you know yeah we know what they're saying yeah this is intentional (laughs) right (laughs) so yeah captain america just pops out of nowhere he sees these guys all the way and before he decides to take them out uh but while he just decides to stop there and try to talk to him, while he's talking to him, Bucky is actually in a sniper position, you know, calling him out. He's like, Steve, just give me the word. Pop him, just give me the word. Like, Bucky, calm down, stand down. I'm going to just have a conversation with him. 
and just see where it goes. They talk back and forth with it. They basically say, Captain America, you betrayed us. You, you're Hydra. You know, you're, just, you're the same guy that tried to take over the world last year. So you betrayed us. So we're going to try to take you out, too. So they open fire on Captain America. Captain America, like, Bucky, fuck him. Take him out. So Bucky starts firing on him. He starts firing on him. And it's like one dude left and they go back and forth. And he's basically saying, Captain America, you betrayed us. He's like, I'll never betray them. I'll die before I betray the dream. Well, well, you about to die right now before he can get another word out. Bam. He gets sniped in the neck. <laughs> Bucky just takes his ass out. And so before that, uh, Captain America sees two helicopters come in. He tells Bucky, Bucky, get inside. Get the fuck out of here right now. He's like, Steve, what's going on? Don't worry about that. Just get out of here. So as soon as Bucky gets out of there. Uh, they drop like this bomb or this gun or stuff like that, and it's this this basically this anti EMP they got from Tony Stark. And since all these nuke dudes are cyborgs, it takes them out just like that. He's like, oh, that's where you wanted me out of there, cause I'm a cyborg. It would have took me out too. He's like, exactly. So Captain America gives these big speeches to you know the survivors there, like everything's gonna be all chin up so just like that. But he like these speeches don't really mean anything because you know this mother had lost her kids and this dude that lost his brother stuff like that no amount of speeches can really help that while they having all these speeches stuff like that up comes thunderbolt ross he just got out of jail because since he helped lead uh uprising against hydra last year the government has pretty much gave him full full pardon they say anybody that helped out hydra no matter what sketchy background they had they've been full pardon that's the reason why bucky just running around nobody gives a shit you know even though he's killed like everybody in the last 20 you know 50 years so Thunderbolt Ross is basically saying, I, I need you to uh to help me take down these domestic terrorists. And like Captain America, like, okay, what do you need? Like, no, no, not you. I need Sharon Carter. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, I need Sharon Carter. So is this because of the sh bullshit that happened last year when somebody that looked like me tried to take over Hydra? Not really. But we're attacking domestic terrorists that are draped in the American flag. You gotta see the optics on this cap. So we just need you to just kind of just back away from this. Uh, matter of fact, bring Bucky too. You know, so he leaves and Captain America like, oh fuck this dude. So he tries to go on a date with uh Sharon Carter, tries to get information out of her like he usually does. She's not giving any information because she doesn't trust him anymore. You know, this ain't the old days where she would give him shield intel because you know she she knows that the intel she gave him last time, whoever that guy was, betrayed the trust and she don't want to go through that again. Captain America's like. Fuck. So nobody wants anything to do with Captain America. He even tries to stop a mugging in Brooklyn in his own neighborhood. And when he tries to fight one of the, the muggers, one of the muggers yells to him, Hell Hydra. He's like, what the fuck? So he beats the shit out of him and tries to, you know, help out the, the person that got mugged. The person that got mugged is so afraid of him. She runs away from him. And you were like, damn. So basically my entire trust has been broken because of everything that happened last year. And he doesn't know if he can ever get that back. Now, they cut back to, to Mother Russia, and we got that blonde girl and that brunette girl holding that stand in front of this whole tower in front of the Red Square, and they got this one Hydra agent. And basically, the, the blonde hair, the brown girl, the dark haired girl just sucks all the energy of them like a vampire, just kills them, you know. And they stand in front of the Red, Red Square, and just like, well, Hydra is nothing compared to us. America will understand. So, basically, what they're saying. The Russians are the bad guys. Yeah. Cold <laughs> so, War all over again. Cold War all over again. So Hydra is out of the picture. Russia's the bad guys. We hate Captain America because we no longer believe in America. Mm -hmm. And the president, who they never named, is pretty much pardoned every criminal <laughs> ever known to man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they have a picture of Baron Strucker. He, like, he's giving his appreciation to Baron Strucker. I'm like, 
okay, Coach, I get it. I get it, Coach. <laughs> but you got to calm this stuff down a little bit, man. <laughs> I'm waiting because just like we're picking up this stuff, you know the Captain America fans reading stuff that haven't been reading Black Panther are going to get pissed once they read this book. I haven't, I haven't seen the backlash yet, but we know it's coming. Yeah. So, I don't know, Eli, you, you read the book. What did you think about it? I mean, I I thought, considering that it was Coach writing, I thought it was really well written. I It wasn't very I, – I was expecting boring shit like Black Panther. <laughs> right. Uh, this, this, was actually, this actually moved at a brisk pace. It set up a lot of cool shit. I mean, it's intriguing what's going on. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the political commentary is right there. You know, the whole gun thing, the whole – Thoughts and prayers, you know, what, what kind of what, what speech are you going to tell this woman who just lost her, 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 you know, her family member to a gun violence and all that shit. I mean, it, you could it's 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 blatantly right there. Um, but I still was into it. I might, you know, I might I might see where this goes for a while. I mean, honestly, um, it's the best coach book I've read so far. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised that, wow, this is actually I thought it was going to be just a bunch of talking like, I, I you know. Right, just like, like child uh, just staring out, just monologuing, yeah, like fifteen minutes, it, you know. Yeah, I mean those Black Panther books were such a shorter read. It's just like, okay, I get it now. Somebody, you know, somebody blow something up now. Somebody right. throw a punch. And oh. this, he got Captain America fighting people. Bucky is sniper position, like he had yeah. to do the military taxes. Was like, where the fuck was this in the Black Panther comic? Yeah, yeah, no shit. You know. Um, I think he, he's probably. I think maybe he's finally figured out how to write a comic book. Well, like I said, he's been in the game for two years now, so he's probably yeah. learned how to write a comic in two years. Yeah, I mean, he's already been a, a great writer, so he just needs yeah. to learn the medium. And I guess you know he cut his teeth on Black Panther, but not, I guess he's ready for the big leagues now with Captain America. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I yeah I like I, I I mean I enjoyed it for the most part. I enjoyed it. I thought you know. Yeah, the, the the social commentary was was very in your face, but what do you what are you going to expect? You know, Captain America written by Coates. What what would right. you what, what do you expect? I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. I've I've always noticed it that damn near every Captain America comic I've ever read has some kind of political subtext to it. Yeah, you know, some of it is heavy handed, some of it is kind of you know under the radar but it's always there it's almost impossible to tell a non-political story with a guy that wears the american flag as a costume yeah and now people who distrust him you know he, exactly. he, has, he has to earn the public's trust again and that's so right now that is a very you know uh uh current you know social climate right now of, of america's distrust in in in, in 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 the government and its leaders and it's you know and in, in themselves you know and, and you know what i mean right. so it's it's a cool metaphor um yeah it is very in your face but at least there was a lot of action like those those russian chicks <laughs> right <laughs> just destroying everything you know yeah, i don't I mean, know that if they've cool. been in the books before i don't know if they're new they were cool that's all i know yeah yeah, I mean the the fight with uh, you know you know Bucky and Cap taking out those nuke cyborgs. I mean, yeah, I was like, whoa, there's there's some action right away, and I was like, wow, that's 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 pretty cool, and it sets up some intriguing storyline. And yeah, Russia is the bad guy, just like they were in the '80s, and the '80s is a big. We're all in this retro '80 thing right now. And right. <laughs> Everything's full circle. 
Yeah, you know, so here we are. And uh, so, yeah, I'm on board. They haven't lost me yet. I'll see what this goes. Yeah, I mean, hey, good job, coach, you know. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling, Eli, we're probably one of the people that's going to like this book. (laughs) I feel like everybody else is going to shit on this book just because they see coach's name on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure if I if I pull up YouTube right now with the review of Captain America one, it's gonna be some asshole tearing apart the book, you know, sitting on a fire and probably pissing on it, you know. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I was surprised. <laughs> I was basically surprised. I was like, oh shit, Coach writing Captain America. Oh geez, like, uh, let me let me see ready. this train. Yeah, right. yeah, let's check this out. Oh yeah, and then I was like, whoa, that was that that was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So oh, man. yeah. So I, I give the book a four out of five. I mean, it yeah. was heavy handed politically, but you know, at least it had a not good pacing to it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, shoot. Any? We got anything else? I think we got it. Cool. Uh, like I said, if you're listening this long, basically like, share, and subscribe. We have a shit ton of other podcasts that are going on. We got uh sister podcast Geeks Ave. We also have uh, uh this Geeks and Comics. We have Hulu TV. We have uh Comic Cast. We have Get Valiant. We have Instruments of Strike. We got a shitload of them. A whole bunch of them. Listen to them. They're going to review the same books we did, but they're going to have a different interpretation. I'm pretty sure one of those uh, podcasts are going to shit, piss, and set fire to the Captain America comics. So listen to them and see what they think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, as far as the contest, contest is over. If you didn't if you didn't put it in time, oh, well, doesn't matter. I'm going to play the game also on the Twitch stream. So screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, opening it now. <laughs> right. Uh I think next week is what? Comic Con? Is next week Comic Con, Eli? Is, is it, it next week? Or is it the week after? I'm not really I'm not sure. sure. I'm not yeah. really sure. It's coming up. We'll work our schedule around that. Uh we'll see how it goes. Until then, this is Leroy. This is Eli. And we talk to you guys next week. Same bullet time, same bullet channel. Right about now. You're about to be possessed by the sounds of MC Raw Face and DJ Easy
position. I'm back to bases in. I'm kind of stingy, that's why I don't want to win. A funky rhyme to a foe or a good friend. Now listen up, cause I want you to comprehend. Cause I'm the leader, the man, superior. I take care of ya, and then you get worried ya. So just sit, my rhymes are not counterfeit. The record sells, which makes this one a hit. It won't hurt to listen to Red Alert. Take off the shirt, make sure I don't hit the dirt. I like the kids, the guys, the girls. I want the dunk, cause this is raw-based world. I'm on a mission, you better just listen. Tell my rhymes, cause I'm all about this and cause. Just like the breeze, rock the mic with the help of 